0: Amen. Two weeks ago, we started talking about this thing called the fear of the Lord. And the way that we started was just highlighting how much this comes up in the Bible. And not only in the Bible, but in church history. And as we said last time, up until recently, about a hundred years ago, one of the main designations for what it meant to be a Christian was God-fearing. That's how prevalent it was. And this is not just something that we find in the Old Testament, that even in the New Testament we have commands like perfect holiness and the fear of the Lord. This is not just one of the aspects of Christianity. This is a vital and foundational aspect of Christianity, and it gets down to what it means to be a Christian out of all the things that God could have told us He was going to do in the New Testament, He very specifically says in a couple of the prophecies in the Old Testament that when the New Testament comes, He says, I am going to put my fear in them. And so far from there being less of the fear of God under the New Covenant, there's actually more. And you cannot be a Christian by definition without fearing the Lord And we said there were three aspects to this. We looked at the first one last time and said at the most basic level, what it means when you start to talk about the fear of the Lord is a God consciousness. God consciousness. And there's some pretty incredible verses like there in Leviticus where it says, You shall not curse a deaf man, but you should fear the Lord your God. And you remember what we said. Why does it matter if you curse a deaf man? He's not going to hear you. Why does it matter? He's It shouldn't bother him. But that's not what the Christian asks. That's not the first question of the believer. The first question of the believer is, does this bother God? That is God consciousness. And that is the first and basic aspect of what it means to fear the Lord. Tonight, though, we want to move on and take this a step further. Because we are not talking about a general consciousness of a God, but specific consciousness of the great and holy God. The great and holy God. When we talk about being God conscious, it's not like any God will do. Your view of God tonight. The way that you think about God is vital. Listen to what A.W. Tozer says to this about this. He says what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's incredible and it's true. Nothing is more vital than having a right view of God. It's easy to start trying to cut out the parts of God that we don't like. There are certain things that offend us, certain things we don't agree with, and so you start trying to shave the edges off God. You start trying to make Him a little more tame, a little more comfortable, a little less radical. It's easier yet to lose the sense of the wonder and the glory of who He is. Beloved, there is no more dangerous thing that a Christian can lose than the wonder. You lose the wonder, you've lost the fear. Let me read you a few examples of this. Now I'll just read these. Back in Leviticus ten, there's the story of Nahab and Abahu, and they were charged in the temple with the worship of the Lord. God had given very specific instructions about this about how they were to worship the Lord. And this is what it says. It says these two the sons of Aaron took their respective fire pans and after putting in them putting fire in them placed incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. What happened? Their view of God was too low. They thought God was common. Listen to what it says It says Then Moses and Aaron said, Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron, therefore, kept silent. I was listening to a sermon recently by Vance Havner, and he tells a story of a man walking through Africa. And he comes along uh, this group of boys, and they're playing marbles. And when he gets closer, he realizes that these aren't just ordinary marbles. They're playing marbles with diamonds. They had become so common. That's what Nahab and Abihu did. They played marbles with diamonds, and they died because of it. Their view of God was too low. They thought he was common. Let me read you another one here from 2 Samuel 6. A little background on the story. The Philistines had stolen the ark. You may know know that story there from the Old Testament. But they found that God was too much, so they sent it back. And it comes into this little town called Beth Shemesh and the people in this town they found it interesting so they start started to, they, so they just investigated it here's what it says it says in first samuel 6:19 he struck down some of the men of beth shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the lord he struck down all the people 50,000 men and the people mourned because the lord had struck the people with a great slaughter the men of Beth Shemesh said, who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? You see what happened? They found God interesting, but they didn't find him awesome. They had lost the awe. They had lost the wonder. Your view of God is vital. Here's another one. Very well-known story. Second Samuel. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 6. They're trying to bring the ark back, and it says, Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Bel Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out towards the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen nearly upset it and the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah and God struck him down there for his irreverence and he died by the ark of God (laughs) incredible story and if you read the story you realize what happened when this ark was brought into this town it was actually brought to Uzzah's father and Uzzah had grown up with this ark in his house. And somewhere along the way, it had gone from being awful in the sense of awesome, the old sense of the word of awesome, to common. And as Vance Havner says, he says, it's a sad day when the ark becomes a box. His view of God was too low and it cost him his life. We could go on. There's lots of stories about this. There's a story of Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. Here's one in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira. This is not just something, well, that's what God used to do. God still does this sort of thing. Ananias and Sapphira, they thought that, you know, their view of God, that uh, maybe God God only punished the big sins. Well, it was a little lie. Well, you remember what happens. It says they lied and God struck them down. Both of them there. It says in great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among them. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. God is serious about our view of Him. There is nothing more important tonight than the thought that comes into your mind of who is God. And if not now, one day, God will write all wrong views of Himself. He is dead serious about His name. So tonight we want to understand, in dealing with this middle aspect, what is it, that gets us from God consciousness to fear? What is this most basic view about God that will lead us to fear? And I believe the Bible gives us a very clear answer, and we'll read the verse that we read last time in Proverbs 9.10. Proverbs 9.10. What is the most basic attribute of God? that should cause us to fear. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see the connection and this is vital and this came up before in some of the verses that I read The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When Nahab and Abihu offered that strange incense before the Lord that he had not commanded, when they thought he was common, and there were some things he overlooked, and it didn't matter, and they found out differently when they played marbles with diamonds, and they paid for it with their life. God said this, I will be regarded as holy. Holy. The only right view of God is that He is the Holy One. Now this does not mean that by saying God is holy, we have said everything that needs to be said about God. But it does mean that everything about God is Holy, And it is consciousness of God's holiness that will lead you to this godly fear. Consciousness of God's holiness. God is holy. That's not everything that you can say about God, but everything about God is holy. His wrath is holy wrath. His love is holy love. And any encounter with God that you have... That does not lead to a sense of his holiness is not a true encounter with God. Something's been misunderstood. Your view's too low, or your view is wrong. Listen to the Bible on these themes, making this connection. This is incredible. Listen to Revelation 15, four. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. You hear the connection? Who will not fear? You're holy. Isaiah 8.13 It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and He shall be your fear. You see the connection there. The holiness of God. It's the most fundamental thing in this aspect of I am conscious of God. What is it at the most basic level that I am conscious of when I am conscious of God, when I am going through my day and I am fighting, I am renewing my mind and doing everything I can, I'm calling out to God, God, I want you to be, I don't want to be like the unbeliever who it says God is not in their thoughts. I want you to invade my thoughts, my every waking moment. What is it that you're asking? You are asking for knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the Holy One. What do we mean when we talk about the Holy One? What is this thing of holiness? Let me read you. This helped me so much. Let me read you this quote from John Piper. And what I love about this is this was from 1984 when nobody even knew the name of John Piper. And he was thinking hard about what it meant that God was holy. Listen to this. It says, every effort to define the holiness of God ultimately winds up by saying God is holy means God is God. Let me illustrate. The root meaning of holy, so he's talking about the Hebrew word, is probably to cut or separate. A holy thing is cut off from and separated from common, we would say secular, use. Earthly things and persons are holy as they are distinct from the world and devoted to God. So the Bible speaks of holy ground, Exodus 3, 5, story of Moses. This is just dirt. This is dirt. What makes that dirt different from that dirt over there? God made that dirt different. And because God is near, that dirt is holy. It is no longer common. You see the distinction he goes on to talk about holy garments. One guy's wearing a garment. Another guy's wearing a garment. What's the difference in the garments? One of them is set apart, not for normal use, but to only be dedicated to the things of the Lord. In the temple, there are holy cups and holy, uh, holy utensils. What's the difference between those utensils there and the utensils over at my house? These utensils are set apart for the purpose of the Lord and he goes on there this just goes on and on and there are verses all over about these things that are set apart holy days and things like that he says almost anything can become holy if it is separated from the common and devoted to god but notice what happens when this definition is applied to god himself from what can you separate to god to uh, can what from you yeah, let me just start that one over <laughs> <coughs> From what can you separate God to make Him holy? The very Godness of God means that He is separate from all that is not God. There is an infinite qualitative difference between the Creator and the creature. God is one of a kind. He's in a class by Himself. In that sense, He is utterly holy. But then you've said no more than that he is God. Or if the holiness of a man derives from its being separated from the world and devoted to God, to whom is God devoted so as to derive his holiness? To none but himself. It is blasphemy to say that there is a higher reality than God to which he must conform in order to be holy. God is absolute reality beyond which there is only more God. When asked for his name in Exodus 3.14, he said, I am who I am. His being and his character are utterly undetermined by anything outside of himself. He is not holy because he keeps the rules. He wrote the rules. God is not holy because he keeps the law. The law is holy because it reveals God. God is absolute. Everything else is derivative. What then is His holiness? Listen to three texts. First Samuel 2.2 2, There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside thee. Isaiah 40.25 To whom then will you compare me that I should be like Him? Says the Holy One. Hosea 11.9 I am God ...and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. In the end, God is holy in that He is God and not a man. He is incomparable. His holiness is His utterly unique divine essence. It determines all that He is and does and is determined by no one. His holiness is what He is as God which no one else is or ever will be. Call it His majesty, His divinity, His greatness. In the end, language runs out. In the word holy, we have sailed to the world's end in utter silence of reverence and wonder and awe. There may yet be more to know of God, but that will be beyond words. Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth Keep silent before him. End quote. So we see tonight that not just any thoughts about God will do. We cannot just make God whatever we want him to be. The link between consciousness and this godly fear that is so vital and fundamental to what it means to be a Christian is the object of God and his holiness. His holiness. Let me read you a few more verses on this. 1st Chronicles 16:25. And following, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he also is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him; ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in holy array. Tremble before Him all the earth. Psalm 89, 6. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of His holy ones, and awesome above all those who are around Him? O Lord, God of hosts, Who is like you, O mighty Lord? Do you hear this view of God? He's incomparable. It's not just, this is necessary, but not enough. It's not just having all the correct doctrine about God. It's also that sense of wonder. Sense of glory. Jeremiah 10.7 Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. There is none like you. Because of who God is, God cannot do anything without displaying the fact that He is the great and holy God. That's why it's incredible... But even there are even verses about fearing the Lord that relate to his goodness. Listen to this Hosea 3:5. Afterwards, the sons of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord in his goodness. What is that? Trembling to his goodness. What is it about goodness that would make you tremble? No ordinary goodness would make you tremble, but the goodness of God makes you tremble because God is holy and His goodness is holy goodness. It's not common. It's not ordinary. It's majestic. It's glorious. It's the kind of thing that makes you fear. And forgiveness... Psalm 30, 3-4. Three, three if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Forgiveness that you may be feared? You would think forgiveness would do everything but make a person fear. But not with God. Why? Because the forgiveness of God is not ordinary forgiveness. You are not being forgiven by your equal. You are being forgiven by the holy God of all the universe. And when you get a taste of who He is, even His forgiveness will make you still and serious. In light of all this, it is wonderful news that God sent His Son to make it possible For sinners to know God. That's an incredible reality tonight. If you are here. And maybe you're a Christian. And I've been listening to Keith Green. I've been listening to that song. My eyes are dry and my faith is cold. What's the cure for that? Goes on to talk about his heart is cold. What's the cure for all of these things? It is a renewed sense of the holiness and greatness of God. You want your soul thrilled? Come to God. Surrender once again before Him and say, God, I want to hold nothing in my back. I want to hold nothing back. I mean that song we sent. I really do. Surrender all. Help me, O God, and reveal yourself to me. God will show you Himself. And what you will see is not common. It will make you fear because the one you will encounter is the Holy God of Israel. The holy God. And if you're not a Christian, this means nothing to you. You can know God too. Children, you can know the Lord. God sent His Son, Christ Jesus, to die on the cross for sins, to take away sins, and to bring us to God. That's what it says, that Christ can bring you to God. If you want to know the Lord, God will have you You just come to Him and be honest. You tell Him you don't know Him. And a lot of times, we're just confused. I've talked to some of you children before, and a lot of times, you ask the question, you say, I don't know what it means to believe. Will you help me to understand what it means to believe? I want to know the Holy One. Well, why don't you go to Christ and tell Him that? Lord, I don't know what it means to believe, but I want to trust You anyway. So I am trusting you the best way I know how. And why don't you come and please make it real in your time and your way. And until that moment, I am going to continue trusting you to the end. You come to God and tell Him that. He'll save you. And in His time and in His way, He will make it real. And you will know the Holy God. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would save us from low thoughts of you. God, I pray that you would help us not to lose the wonder. God, it's a terrifying thing to think of those there like Uzza who reached out and studied the art because it had become common. God, we don't want you to become common. God, we're used to hearing doctrine. We're used to so many things, Lord. We don't want to take these things for granted. We don't want to take one sentence of anything You've revealed for granted. We want the reality, God. Please, Lord, help us to have the wonder and the sense of awe and the sense of glory. God, would You please correct wrong views of You, of Your ways and Your deeds? Would you help us to be a people who are not afraid of anything you've told us and not cowards. Help us, Lord. Amen.